Talking of uh, weak humans, I've decided that I have finally reached that age because I am wearing very focal glasses. It's taken me this long, but uh, having said that, I've, I've taken quite a while in my life to reach the point where actually I need to visit doctors quite frequently. When I was a child, I hardly ever visited the doctor, and actually I didn't want to because if you'd met our doctor, Dr. Coffey, who was a man who made me look positively tiny... He used to scare me well, but he wasn't nasty, it was just being there in his presence. He had such a presence in his own right that um, I was terrified of him. My sister adored him, so there's no accounting for taste. But I want you to think that when you go to the doctor, you go with a certain expectation and a certain trust in the doctor that they're going to make you well. Of course, human doctors aren't always able to do that. But you certainly go because they're the best chance we have, often, of making a recovery or getting through a particular illness. We have faith, as it were, in the doctor's ability to heal. We have faith in all sorts of things, actually. I mentioned this at an evening service a few weeks ago, that actually none of you, when you arrived this morning, checked the integrity of the chair on which you're sitting to make sure before you sat that it was going to support your weight. We put our faith in things unquestioningly, and we put our faith in the doctor to heal. And here we have a man in our reading who is sick. He's a man with leprosy, which of course, as you know, is a very severe condition. And in the time that Jesus was there serving and ministering in that place, it was a condition which meant... Life as you knew it was over. You had to live apart from your family. You had to live apart from your friends and your community. And you just were not allowed near. People were terrified of the possibility of being infected and having to join that abandoned, marginalised community of sufferers. Today, of course, leprosy is totally curable. It's not an easy thing. It takes a, a fairly long time, a repeat, as it were, of a whole sequence of drugs over and over again. But eventually it can be cured and the nervous system which it attacks can be um, healed to a certain extent. One encouraging thing they didn't know in those days is that 95% of us are immune to it anyway. So it was an interesting fact. But of course in those days it wasn't seen as you've got an infection, it was seen as you or your family have sinned and therefore you're being punished. So a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now this man, if you listen to those words, came to Jesus in the absolute faith that Jesus would make or could make him well. Notice what he says. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, if you are able, you can make me clean. He's already made up his mind. He already believes that Jesus has the power and the capacity and the strength to heal him, to make him whole, to get rid of this disease which is holding him back from living his life. And he cries out, make me clean. And that's a cry from his understanding and those in the community around him, not just for healing from the disease, but a cry for forgiveness. 
we all need forgiveness. We all suffer from that disease of sin. And we all need to come to Christ in faith and say, Lord, if you're willing, set me free, make me clean. And in his mercy and grace, Jesus does just that. Because he wants to heal us and make us well. If you are willing, he says, he had no doubt whatsoever that Jesus could heal. But he knew also something very important that Jesus would only heal if it was his will to do so. It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? Sometimes at school I talk about prayer with children and I say, look, prayer isn't like your Christmas list, dear Santa. Please can I have this, 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 and this. There are certain things that my children over the years, and I'm sure yours as well, have asked you for which are absolutely totally unsuitable and you wouldn't let them have them. And God knows us, and I, and I use this analogy, the analogy of traffic lights. Do you know sometimes when you drive, traffic lights are all red, everyone you come to, and then the next, it's just, you don't know why it is, it's almost as if something's not working right. But sometimes when we pray to God, he says outright there and then, yes, we hit the nail on the head, we know his will, yes, he says. Sometimes he says, well, yes, but now is not the right time. Now is not a good moment for this to happen in your life. And that can be really tough for us as well, because we're not good at waiting. And thirdly, sometimes God actually says, no. That's not how things have to be. That's not how things need to be. That's not the way forward. A man, a a little story is told of a man who went to heaven, and when he got there, he met St. Peter at the gate, as you always do, obviously, and went in. And St. Peter showed him around. He said, look at this, there's fantastic resources here, fantastic facilities. By the way, this is your cloud. And the chap said, oh, it's fantastic, you know, it's got everything you could possibly want. The biggest widescreen television you could imagine, you know, everything was just as it should be. And then in the corner, he saw a big pile of wrapped presents and his heart lit up it was like Christmas morning fantastic you get presents in heaven as well what are they he said and the saint replied they are prayers that God answered but that you did not receive his answer you did not take hold of what he gave and the chap said well can I have them now And the saint replied, what would be the point? What would be the point of answered prayers that were no longer of any value in that new situation? We can miss the answer God gives us to prayers because we happen to be looking the wrong way. We come to him expecting one thing. We come to him with our idea about how he should answer our prayers and then he answers his way. And we're not looking. Can you imagine yesterday evening's wonderful firework display? If it all went off and you weren't looking in the right direction. Think about the fun you'd have missed. And it's like that sometimes when we come to God. We come so expecting one thing that we find ourselves looking in the wrong direction when God answers and we miss what he has for us. There's an old collect in the Church of England uh, prayer book that says this, Let thy merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of thy humble servants, and that we may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please thee, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that we get our prayers answered, the prayer says, can we ask for things that God wants? God hears and answers our prayers in the way that he wants. And praying isn't just about us telling God what we want. It's about like tuning a radio, tuning into his voice and to his will. So the sick man comes in faith and rests on the mercy of Jesus to heal him, saying, is this your will? It was, on this occasion, Jesus' will. And Jesus responded, it says in the version of the, the translation we have here, he was filled with compassion. And we like to think of Jesus like that, don't we? Filled with compassion. We sing things like, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. If you get the slightly sort of more up-to-date edition of the NIV, there's, and there's a footnote in this, um, in some editions as well, that literally says, instead of filled with compassion, that Jesus was indignant. He, f- he was almost angry. He was annoyed at what he perceived to be unfair treatment. That's what indignance is, when you see someone else being f- treated badly and you become angry because of it. It's not selfish, but it's directed at the other. Well, why might Jesus have been angry when this chap came to him to be healed? Perhaps it was because of the way he had been treated and excluded by his society, his family and friends. Perhaps it was because of the way that the folks standing around were behaving, because if this chap starts to walk towards Jesus, people are going to scatter. Perhaps it was because the man had suffered so long and nobody had been able to give him freedom from his condition. Whichever way it's translated, Jesus responds with action. Whatever he felt, he was willing to heal, and he does so. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleaned. This was a sign to us and to those around him at the time that he was healed, but that also he was forgiven. Jesus gives his forgiveness. Now, when something amazing happens, I don't know about you, but I want to tell everyone about it. We have an instant way of doing that now, don't we? We Facebook it within seconds. How many of you have seen pictures of someone's dinner on Facebook? Fantastic meal at so-and-so restaurant. Can't, you know, can't even keep that a secret. Can't even hold that into ourselves. And, you know, when something amazing happens, we want to share testimony. I was talking with David beforehand about a time when the minister here, your previous minister, I think, um, said, let's have some testimony during the service. And there was so much energy and positivity that he gave up his sermon to make room for the testimony, the delights of sharing the blessings of God. This man, when he was healed, was no doubt utterly thrilled to have been healed. His life was restored. He could finally return to his family. It was indeed time for a huge celebration. But God's timing and ours may be very different. God understands the consequences of any action before we take it. And this is what Jesus says to him. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, 
See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus tells him not to tell anyone. Because Jesus knew that it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time to confront the authorities, to hold up before them their failings. There was a time coming when Jesus would do that, but now wasn't it. He also knew that that man, before he could return to his family, friends and community, needed confirmation from the high priest that he was indeed free from that illness. Jesus followed the law of God. In Matthew 5 verse 17 we read, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. Through Christ the law is complete and in following him we follow God's will. Jesus wanted this man to know healing and forgiveness in all its fullness. Even if he appeared clean of the disease, if he hadn't returned to the priest for confirmation, he would still need to be excluded. I was um, looking online not long ago for uh, inspirational mugs. I'm sure you've got several of them around the house, but one of mine I really liked. I haven't got it yet, but it says this. It's a teacher's mug, and it says, If at first you don't succeed... Do it again the way I told you in the first place. What did the chap do? Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Perhaps it was just human nature. But the man, despite Jesus' action in healing, despite his mercy on him, despite his very clear and unambiguous command, disobeyed the Lord. You can hear his excuse. I just couldn't help it. I'm only human. I just couldn't keep it in. But the result of his actions was that the mission and plan of Jesus was hampered. He couldn't continue to minister in many towns. It didn't stop him from ministering, but it certainly stopped him going forward in the way that he'd planned. I was in the... uh, public house in Crowbury the other day with a friend sharing a glass of beer as I do from time to time and one of the questions we came to was this very thing can we as Christians hamper God's purpose and process in the world and the answer of course is absolutely yes it starts right at the beginning of the Bible doesn't it God has a perfect created plan and we mucked it up and we do it we can literally get in the way of God's plan by our disobedience. And perhaps the most sobering message of this passage for us is that our disobedience may disrupt the work and plan of God. Jesus commands us, of course, to do the exact opposite of what he commanded this man. Because for us, the command is not to be silent. Now is not the time for silence. Now is the time to declare Christ Jesus to the world. Remember in Matthew, that great commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's our call to go and shout, to speak, to live Jesus in the world, isn't it? And if we disobey that command, what next? What's going to happen? We should be sharing the gospel like the sower in the parable. Not dribbling it here and there, but grabbing great big handfuls of seed and flinging it in all directions. No matter where it lands, it's being sown. There's a story of a missionary in uh, the 1800s and he found his way with his team to a village of a remote tribe in the middle of a rainforest. A rainforest where they had never been before. And the tribe greeted them warmly and sat and listened in silence as they told them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the time they finished speaking, the missioner said, what do you think? And the tribe's leader stood up and said... What you've told us is amazing. It's very moving. But if it's so important that we know it, why has it taken 1,800 years for you to get here and tell us? It's not for us to worry about the response of people, but it is for us with a sense of urgency to speak the gospel, to live the gospel. And it's things like you did yesterday evening with your wonderful sharing with the community that makes God accessible and attractive to people. Ours is to go and proclaim Christ Jesus. That's how the kingdom of God comes into people's lives. And may all praise and thanks be to Almighty God for that. Amen.